Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Taking your calls and questions, you can always text me. It's a text-only line, so don't leave a message. N- nobody ever will check the voicemail. If you need to talk to someone, you got to call the church office, 303-628-7200. But for the show, you can text us here. We do check the text line, 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897. And along the way in the show, if we don't get the phone calls coming in, then I will take these uh, questions that come through on the text line and would love to hear from you. This is a live broadcast. You're listening here in Colorado. Uh, This is the day after the election, uh, as we still don't have a proclaimed winner yet, uh, which only means the church has more to lean into the things of the Lord and to trust him. Uh, That's it. Trust the Lord with all your heart. He is your king. So we're not going to be taking, like yesterday, uh, when I was uh, broadcasting on Election Day, we're not going to be taking any argumentative calls or anything like that. But we will talk about the things of the Lord. We will talk about the Bible. We will pray for you. Uh, We will ask the Lord to meet us here. There's a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty, a lot of hurt all around us. And as the church, we have an opportunity to minister to that pain and that hurt. Uh, we have a very close um, brother to our church whose mom just passed away. And we don't want to forget him. Uh, we don't want to forget the pain that he's experiencing today. Uh, you know, life is challenging. And if you get distracted on things that aren't eternal, you're going to miss out. And it's going to be a surprise at the Bema Seat of Christ. Uh, you don't want to be surprised at the Bema Seat of Christ. Uh, you want to be ready. Uh, you want to be ready to, with any, uh, what's the phrase, uh, the Bible phrase, be ready in season and out of season. We want to be ready. Or as I was reading recently, uh, we want to, Love his appearing. Isn't that great? Have you ever thought of that before? Uh, Let me ask you this question. Do you love the Lord's appearing? Um, That is such a great phrase. Uh, It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 8. Finally, there's laid up. This is after Paul the Apostle toward the end of his life says that he finished the race, that he kept the faith. And finally, verse 8, there's laid up for me 
the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Loved his appearing. Oh, the crown of righteousness is waiting for those that love his appearing and that are ready, willing, and able to receive the rapture of the church, the coming of the Lord. So good. I know a lot of pastors are going back to regular Bible studies in their church because they diverted for political messages. Uh, We are not going back to the Bible for our Bible study tonight. We're continuing on with our Bible study. Uh, We're continuing right through the book of 1 Peter. It speaks to the trying times that we're in. And if you're a pastor that diverted into politics and you're getting back, good. Stay there. Stay in the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Remember what Paul said? Paul said this. Paul said that I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all the who believe, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. There is power in the Word of God, in the gospel. Again, the Bible says, The Bible says that the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Again, the Bible says, I will send forth my Word and it will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. And so praise God that the Bible is going to take center stage in pulpits once again. Uh, We do know uh, that (laughs) this is a wild time uh, to be alive. It's a wild time to minister the gospel uh it is it's a wild time and you know the certainly the bible speaks to situations um the bible speaks to the reality of of the life that we live but in and of itself it it power resides in and of itself power resides and how important it is that we stay in that place of power and love and a sound mind. So good. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Well, the phone lines are empty. Take advantage of them. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Taking your calls and your questions. Or you can text me. Uh, we have a dedicated texting line, 720-336-0897, 720-336-0897. So where are we? We are in the book of First Peter tonight. We meet in person, yes. We meet live online, yes. You know, we adopted the online technology back before it was perfected. Um, we were very close, and some of you would relate, probably not many of you, but some of you could relate back in the early 2000s of buying a real audio, real video server, which was astronomically expensive. We didn't do it. Um, we learned about it from uh, Calvary Chapel in Fort Lauderdale, and that was the way to do it back then. That was the codex before MP3, WMV, those types of codexes were popular. The real audio uh, was the popular. We ended up getting a free encoder where we encoded our services into audio 
but we were ready even in the school to adopt and buy a server. But, you know, we didn't have a building. We didn't have a place. We it was a lot of reasons. Besides, it was so expensive. Um, but we adopted technology as it came. And we started video just after we moved into the building. I wish we would have done it in the school. Uh, I really, really do. We could have pulled it off somehow. Uh, that was when they were just inventing digital technology, digital cameras. It would have been a little crude and rough, but it would have been great to have that as an archive. But we've been doing online since we started. Uh, you know, as much as we could, we, uh, I remember putting our, vid our messages up, uh, playing the cassette tape into a computer and then encoding that into real audio format and then uploading it. I had a brother, Irwin, that was doing that for us. And, and so we have adopted the latest technology to the best of our ability. We, we broadcast live in HD. Uh, we are, of course, live audio, uh, audio, audio. We're live on Grace FM. Just so many people working behind the scenes to help bring the church outside of the building. And I know with COVID, a lot of churches have gone that way, um, but we've done that. So you can join us no matter where you are around the country, around the world. You can join us 7 p.m. tonight. We're studying the book of 1 Peter, picking up where we left off last time. And then on the weekends, we just started a new chapter in the book of Hebrews, verse by verse, Hebrews chapter 12. And I've got a couple messages stirring up in my heart that I may break into Hebrews again on our weekend services here soon, but I haven't really sat down to pray over them. I've been thinking about the topics, but I haven't really prayed over what that's going to look like. Uh, but I, I probably will do some, you know, because we go through the Bible, right, and study it through verse by verse. But on occasion, we'll stop. We will put together a, I'll put together a topical message, or one of the guys is, one of the pastors will fill in with the topical message. And, and um, you know, we're not opposed to topicals. However, we need to teach the Bible. Pastors, if there's just one pastor listening to me, teach the Bible. Teach the Bible. Don't teach from the Bible, teach the Bible, verse by verse, and all its glory, all its difficulty. Cover every topic, every difficulty. Just speak to it. Let just let the Word of God go forth, and the Lord will use you. Um, he'll use His Word. So give us a call. 303-690-3000. Interesting question. Uh, can you please explain the parallels expressed why Jesus was crucified outside the camp as the sacrifice burned outside the camp? Hmm. That's a good question. We know that the Bible speaks of, of Jesus uh, we know the Bible speaks of both of those um, and how important it is for Jesus to fulfill prophecy to a T. Uh, and, you know, we need to, let me just look up that passage real quick. This was a text question. Uh, let's see here. Outside the walls. Uh in Hebrews chapter 13, we're not there yet ourselves, uh, in verse 10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin 
are burned outside of the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the camp. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For there, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. And so the author to the Hebrews, I believe Paul, is making that accurate description uh, that even as the bodies of those animals whose blood was brought into the sanctuary burned outside the camp, Jesus too, now sanctifying you and me because of our sin, went outside the camp bearing his reproach in order to fulfill prophecy as Jesus being the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the Lamb, and he fulfilled the exact, in more than one way, sacrifice that was required uh, through the faithfulness of and the willingness of his commitment to die for your sins and mine. 303-690-3000. I'd encourage you stick with us too as we uh, will be there eventually in our Bible study. Uh, we will be there to, uh, to study that uh, soon enough on a Sunday morning, Saturday night. Uh, so I'd love to have you join us. Join me on the air, 303-690-3000. Uh, and by the way, those passages referenced uh, are in Leviticus 14, 16, uh, and 29 uh, that mention the sacrifices outside the city. So Jesus left the temple, left the city, left all the traditions and regulations, all the priestly robes, fragrant incenses, all the rituals with the pe- people were enamored with to a hill called Calvary outside the camp to die for your sins and mine. All right, let's go over to Denver, Colorado. Rick is on the line. Rick, welcome to the program. Hey, Rick, you're with us. Uh, you were with us. Rick, give us a call back. I'd love to take your question because we still have open lines. A little slow start to the show today, but that's okay. Uh, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Shout out to everyone on Grace FM. Shout out to everyone on Hope FM. Shout out to everyone on Truth FM. Shout out to everyone that is listening like Rock FM and Refuge FM. And there's quite a few stations that carry um, that carry the program. And we're grateful that you trust us with your audience, that we might point them into the ways of the Lord um, and, and, and offer biblical answers to real questions. 303-690-3000. All right, let's go back to Denver. Rick is back on the air. Rick, welcome to the program. Hey, I'm sorry I got disconnected, but really appreciate all you uh, do to answer uh, people's questions and your insight. Wondering if you can speak a couple minutes on where you think America is in prophecy, uh, end times kind of thing. Don't see a lot of reference to it or where it might be, and then there's a lot of speculation. Could it be the Babylon with everything that's going on with the elections and turmoil in this country? Where uh, where do you see America in the end times? 
Well, you know, there's a couple of different uh, there's a couple of different opinions on where America might be in prophecy. Uh, I believe that America's the United States of America, to be exact, is not really a key player in prophecy. That they're not mentioned specifically. There's an obscure passage, uh, you know, that speaks of a lion that some people have tried to go through. I don't even remember the passage off the top of my head. Uh, people will write whole uh, books uh, trying to explain that. Yes, I know it says this is for Israel, but it actually refers to the United States. Um, the United States generally is a very young nation, uh, and and while this young nation of ours has been used in tremendous ways in propagating the gospel, all attention uh, uh, in prophecy is primarily focused on the Middle East and uh, Jerusalem being the epicenter of of prophecy. And so because there's no real specific reference to the United States of America, um, there is the thought that the United States of America will be so weakened, uh, it will be so um, divided. There's a lot of reasons, like so unable to, um, so unable to act on anything because its own internal problems that it's just a blip on the radar screen in terms of the prophetic end. I mean. You can say that there's going to be a place for United States in prophecy because there's a lot of believers that you live in the United States, and so the rapture of the church uh, in bringing believers to Jesus in the air is a cataclysmic event that will certainly affect the United States. And because the economy of the United States is so large, and because so many people follow the decisions of the United States, you know, you can see that the U.S is being used, you know, for a time, the, one of the primary um, inner country currencies and how business is done on the global scene was done with the U.S. dollar. Now, of course, um, you have the euro that's very popular um, and, and used, and the dollar seems to fade here and there. But I don't really see biblically uh, America, the United States of America, number one, replacing Israel in any way, or very, very prominent with end times prophecy in the sense of things being revealed on the predictive scene. All right. Are you still Thank with you us, Mike? Yeah, or Rick. Rick. Yeah, I mean, I, we could be wrong because, you know, there are, um, there are always questionable or, you know, theories when you're trying to interpret things. So we may be wrong, but I think I think that if I turned your question around and said, because you and I are part of the United States, we can have a very big effect prophetically by being two men who are faithful to the call of God upon our lives. Like we can make an effect for all of eternity. And as we make an effect for all of eternity by loving, serving, caring, sharing the gospel, we at the same time will have an effect prophetically as God uses us um, in in times prophecy. Like So teaching the Bible and getting the word out and pointing to Israel, pointing to Russia, pointing to Ezekiel 37, 38, um, 39 of the things that are happening that even with the this take one example the Abraham Accords. Obviously, the United States played a very president. Our current president Trump played a very important role 
in bringing together these nations to um, have them li- enter into diplomatic, um, you know, I think of uh, the the Emirates. Um, I also think of, you know, there was other nations that were waiting to after the election, uh, like Saudi Arabia, they're going to enter into the Abraham Accord. But so in that case, you know, the United States really and the leadership of the United States really brought together um, a big part of Ezekiel 38, I believe, where it speaks of Israel being surrounded by peace. And we're seeing nations come, Arab nations uh, Muslim, predominantly Muslim, 99.999% Muslim nations coming to the table and making peace with Israel. Uh, and so the United States was used in that way as well. But as far as the nations on the end time scene, I don't really believe uh, they're mentioned. And I don't agree with that author that's real popular right now, selling millions of dollars of books that says the U.S. somehow has taken Israel's place. It's simply not true. So thank you very much for your call, my brother. Yeah, excellent. Amen. Thank you very much. And I think we have a lot in this country to be able to spread the gospel in the end time. Yes, we do. Thank you. To whom much is given, much is required. All right. Thank you. All right. God bless. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. 303 We're going to go on to line... One is Mike calling from Maryland. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, Mike, are you with us? All right. We hope that he will call back. Open lines, 303-690-3000. Knowing that, you know, the Lord is allowing things to happen to, to, we're living in a day and age, none unlike in other generations. So we're not like, it's not a unique generation. I mean, it is in many ways, but every generation of believers have been shaken up for the sake of uh, growing in grace and for the sake of rising up, uh, for the sake of standing up and for the sake of obedient living unto Jesus Christ. Let me give you, let me share a picture with you. Um, Because let's say you are hired at Starbucks as a barista. You're hired at Starbucks. You have an identity now and and an agreement with the corporation Starbucks that you will do what they tell you to do how they tell you to do it. And in exchange for that, they're going to pay you a certain amount of money. That's basically any agreement with employment, right? So there you are. You walk in, you sign up, they hire you, they get your paperwork in order, get all your documents in order, and they tell you this is how you do, and they train you. And they tell you exactly how they want you to do it, specifically. What would it be like if you were behind the counter always talking about your competitor, uh, you know, Pete's or um, maybe a local, uh, a local, we've got a local coffee shop here known as Sonder. 
And you're just talking about how good Saunders coffee is and how much better it is than Starbucks and how they treat their employees better. And and uh, now you are advocating, uh, we want this Starbucks to become a Saunders coffee. Uh, and you can exchange whatever coffee places in your neighborhood. Uh, but we want... Uh, we want to be, you know, and then, and then you decide, oh, I'm not just going to advocate for another coffee shop, but now I want to Starbucks to become a McDonald's. And so now all you're talking about is McDonald's and, and I can't believe, um, that Starbucks doesn't have a Mick cafe and what, what is, and you're not, and, and it's dumb. I know it's a very weak illustration, but you get it. You'd be fired. You would be let go. I mean, they probably try to salvage the relationship. They've invested a lot of money in hiring you and training you, and they see good potential in you. But now here you are not doing what you were agreed to do. You're not doing what you agreed to do. And I find a lot of believers live their life the same way. It's how dumb it sounds at Starbucks, but people don't think that it sounds dumb as a believer to talk about things that have nothing to do with the Lord, to live for things that have nothing to do with the Lord, to waste our time and money on things that have nothing to do with the Lord. And then they go, well, you know, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but I don't, if, if, if what you're doing and saying is a Christian, I don't want to follow you because there's nothing attractive. All you do is complain and all you do is you're upset There's no love in your heart. There's no love on your lips. You're not seeking first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. You're not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You're you're not following you. You're not dying to yourself. I mean, think about it. In every relation, in role, there's people get mad at pastors because they have a they have an expectation for pastors. So you know, pastor, you didn't do such and such. Where did you get that expectation from? Well, most likely they got it from the Bible. This is what they expected. They may be right or wrong, but they associate a certain behavior with pastoral leadership. And listen, the world associates a certain behavior in a real believer. And it's not hypocrisy. It's a otherworldly love. And if we have left, if you have left, the main thing, then we got to get back to being the main thing is the main thing. I don't need There's no other way to say it. And you go, Oh, Ed, you don't understand. We got to do this and we got to do that. And you don't understand. I don't agree with you. It's okay. It's okay. If you don't agree with me, I'm not advocating that you agree with everything I say. Here's what I'm advocating. Pray and tell me how God answers that prayer. Because some of you have been called to the political arena no doubt. But you've been called to the political arena secondly, not primarily. You do so as a believer. Or some of you have been called into the legal profession. You've been called to be a lawyer or a paralegal or a judge or whatever secondarily. Some of you have been called to be a doctor secondarily. Some of you have been called to drive a truck or watch kids or a thousand other noble things, but those are all secondary to your identity in Jesus Christ. And certainly, like the illustration, if you work at Starbucks, you can't sell McDonald's french fries on the side. You can't do it. That's not your identity. That's not your relationship. And so the way the relationship works with God is he died 
and for because of his death and resurrection, your sins can be forgiven. So that in order to follow him, you need to deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow him. And everything else is secondary. You Certainly God gives us freedom to be involved in secondary things, no doubt. Third things, fourth things. Uh, he's given us all things richly to enjoy. But when the secondary becomes primary and clouds out the righteousness and hunger and thirst for the things of God, let's get back to basics. Let's go after the lost. Let's build up the saved. Let's help the hurting. Like I see your call coming in, Heather. Don't hang up as we pray for you and your your boyfriend that's battling addiction. And we're going to pray for you. Yes, you are not forgotten. So give us a call. We'll be right back. We have one open line, 303-690-3000. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to the second half of today's program. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. Got an open line, 303-690-3000. We're going to go back now to the phone lines here in Aurora, Colorado. Heather, welcome to the program. Hey, Hello. Heather, are you with us? Yeah. Hey, welcome. Thank you. What's going on? Um, I just was calling my boyfriend and I need prayers. Um, we're both, we've both been battling with addiction and have been doing well, but um, recently I've been having some pretty severe problems and um, it's getting to the point like where it's not so much even the using is just the lying. And yeah. I just want prayers that just that, I don't know, just that the best can come from it. I mean, I want to be with this person, but I don't want to have something happen to, you know, my family or my faith or, and we just need prayers that, you know, that we can work through this and that, you know, we're both Christians, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm just really scared, honestly. I feel like I'm losing control of just my life, and yeah, and I've worked really hard for it. And I mean, I know, you know, everything happens for a reason, and you know, and I, I don't know. I'm just really scared and need prayers that. You know, we can make it through this, and if not, that we just—if not together, then separate. But just that we'll be okay. Because right now, I'm just well, not sure. <laughs> you know, I think um, I think God had you call today so that you could be reminded that um, the drugs need to go. And I know you relapsed. Did, did both of you guys relapse, or just him? Um. Well, it was just him, and then. I had 11 months and I relapsed just because yeah. I felt so betrayed and I yeah. figured there's no worse betrayal than betrayal oneself and that if I did that then I couldn't be mad at him anymore and I could just be mad at myself but it didn't well, work. That's, that's interesting logic, you know. I I think that there's some there's some sense to that logic. It's just not biblical, you know. When we start whenever we respond emotionally 
like you did out of hurt and pain, almost always uh, we're going to hurt ourselves and those that are closest to us. And then, you know, that logic is very interesting, uh, but you have one, there's a couple of pieces that were wrong in your in your statements, and that is not, the greatest betrayal is not to betray ourselves. The greatest betrayal is to betray our Savior and to not live in an abiding relationship with Him. And, and I know your pain and your um, all that this is going through, this, you know, it sounds like you're fully committed to this relationship, but because of these, these issues, you know, you're hurt, you're scared, uh, you ran to something that gave you, um, what, at least what you thought would give you peace, but now it's just giving you turmoil. And it reminded me of a passage in the Bible where it says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves a slave to obey, that you are that one's slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. And it's always good to remember that, you know, we can present ourselves either to the Lord when we're in great pain, or we can present ourselves to sin, uh, because Jesus said this on the same along the same lines. He said, he said, most assuredly, so it's like, it's like Jesus saying, listen, Heather, this is absolutely true. I promise you it's true. It's always true. There's never not a time when it's not true. And this is what Jesus said. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. So you come, you know, and I don't know, you don't, I know you don't need to, to hear this, but for the sake of others, I mean, you don't need to repeat it because you already know it, but for the sake of others listening in, when you chose to respond to your hurt and pain, by choosing more sin, thinking that it would get you, you know, now that would just help me, um, you know, not blame him anymore. No, it's totally backwards because the way to, the way to deal in any relationship is forgiveness. That's the only way to release this brother. But when you are guys are wrestling with addiction and both of you are having a hard time, it may not be that you guys stay together. And that's something you have to consider. It may not be, this may not be the man for you. And you well, may not I be the woman for him. If it's not, then God would just remove him from my life because I don't know if I have the strength to walk away. You know what I mean? And I've been praying that. I've just, like, I don't Good. know if I can do it. And I understand that, you know, and and, that, and it would be okay with me. But I just don't think hmm. I have the strength to walk away from it because I do care about him very much. Well, and even not being together doesn't mean, and we always have to remember this, not now doesn't mean not forever, but to be in a place of health and strength, to be in a place where you both can get back on your feet, get your your relationships with Jesus in order and intact, like just because uh, you're not together now doesn't mean forever, but right now it sounds like you guys are not very good for each other, and and yeah, I, I could see what you mean when you say, I don't have the strength, but you're kind of using that as an excuse not to make the right decision because the Bible says that in our weakness, God gives strength. So even if you don't have the strength to make that decision, you know God will give it to you in order for you to obey him so that you can be in a better place of strength so you could serve him and express your love for this man. And But more importantly, get your life back in order along the lines of, of addiction because God wants you no doubt whatsoever. I'm a hundred percent confident. Um, there's a lot of questions that we don't know about in your relationship, but I'll tell you right now, there is no question in my mind, none whatsoever that God, 
I know that God's will is for you to be sober because you make so much better decisions when you're sober than when you're under the influence. And it just wrecks you and it causes you, it just complicates everything. And so let me pray for you and I know God will give you wisdom on what's next up ahead, okay? Yeah. Father, I pray for Heather as she is just desperate right now. And even talking to me, God, this doesn't sound, you know, it's not going to be easy for her. Um, but you you are sowing seeds of love and righteousness into her heart. You are reminding her how much you love her as your daughter, that you haven't abandoned her or thrown her away, but rather you are for her, you're not against her. Even when she makes bad decisions, it can't stop and it won't stop you from loving her. And so I thank you for that. And I want Heather, I pray for her sobriety. And I pray, God, that there would be an overwhelming sense of your presence and your love in her life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Keep in touch, okay, Heather? Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Over, uh, going up north now here in Colorado to Longmont. Marie, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. Uh, my question is, um, I'm literal. So chapter 16 in Luke um, 1923, the rich man says that he can see Abraham far, you know, on the far, far away. How yes. close is hell and heaven? Because it sounds like it's just a fence in between them. Or is it well, just in that, that story? In that particular area, remember, you have a place known as Abraham's bosom or paradise, and you have a place in that particular insight of, of um, uh, what did he call it, uh, Abraham's bosom and torment. And the gulf between Abraham's bosom uh, and um, what, and um, torments, excuse me, oh, I've got to think clearly here, uh, was, was one where it was obvious that they were in one and not the other, and at that point, we know that um, we we know that because of what was shared with us, that there was a fixed separation between the two. But it no longer it no longer works like that anymore because the paradise of Abraham's bosom now has been brought into the very presence of God. There is it now. We know progressive revelation how things have progressed that there are no longer, after the resurrect, death and resurrection of Jesus, there are no longer anybody in Abraham's bosom that's no longer needed because those that were waiting in Abraham's bosom were waiting for the fulfillment of the blood being shed. Now that the blood is shed, that place no longer exists. Um, and so the distance between heaven and hell is just about as far as you can, as you can think um, that the idea of spatial distance, you know, the the idea of words being used on whether it's a linear, because you and I live in time, so we measure everything on space and measurements, um, but God is outside of time, and so is the eternal realm. And there's a possibility, you know, the, the space is as much as you can possibly between heaven and hell today. Um, it's no longer like it was described in Abraham's bosom. Um, and you know, it leaves some questions, right? It leaves what is what do people in heaven know, uh, and what do people in hell know? Because I don't think that changes. And so I think people in hell today know um, whether they're at, the, at least in the moment 
because they even though they're outside of time, they're still living in time, right? Because it's still clicking. It's still clicking for them. So at least for the rich man, he knew that his brothers weren't saved, and he begged for someone to go to him. Um, but that that literal understanding of Luke sixteen is definitely a uh, between Abraham's bosom and torments. They they had obvious observation skills between the two. Um, but the emphasis really isn't in what each could see in either side. The emphasis was that great gulf that couldn't be passed. Correct. Well, I appreciate your time because that, that explains it, but I do have a literal brain, so I get confused. <laughs> well, you know, and I think that you, but, but that's very good for you because the Bible is intended to be taken literally. So the more literal you can be, the better, because a literal understanding of what's said a literal understanding of the words that were used, a literal understanding of the context, the um, audience, the historical background. Uh, you would never, you know, because a lot of people will go, well, wait a minute. Uh, Jesus said to, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And, and you know, someone like you, Marie, or me, because I, I, I take things literal as well, would say, okay, then if I sin, then I need to cut my arm off. Uh, however... That's not what Jesus is teaching. You go, but that's what it says. Yeah, but when we take something literally, we have to take into consideration that Jesus was speaking metaphorically. Like you would never know a metaphor unless you took it literally. And when people back out of a commitment to literal interpretation, that's dangerous where you can make anything say whatever you want it to say. Um, But you would never know metaphors. You would never know similes. You would never know even the fact that Luke 16 it happened, you know, that prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that was the arrangement. You would never be able to walk through the progressive revelation. So your literalness probably gets you in trouble from time to time, but it is the absolute right way to read the Bible. Yeah. <clears throat> so thank you. Thank you very much. God bless you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Text me, 720-336-0897. Or um, give me a call. Give me a call. So I I am grateful that Heather called because I, when you guys are listening to this show, you're listening to this radio station, wherever you're hearing this, um, we have... We have uh, said time and time again that our intent is to be a pastorally based. We're not just a Bible answer man show. We never will be. That's not what God's called our church to be, our pastoral team to be. Uh, you know, you got Jeff, you got Nick, um, you got Cody, um, our partners, you know, here on Grace FM, Colorado pastors, friends of mine. Um, we, we are not a Bible answer man. Now, some people, certainly some of us, uh, some of the guys lean more uh, toward a scholarly approach, and that's fantastic, but they're still pastors. Uh, pastors oversee this show, and here's where I'm headed. You know, the COVID, restrictions, the election, uh, our constitutional rights, our wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, vaccines, uh, it's all done great damage. The division over these things have done great damage to the church. And for some of you listening in, I hope you would receive this. 
they're doing they're, they've done it's done great damage to your spiritual life because you've gotten caught up in things and maybe even at the encouragement of another pastor listen when you get to heaven when i get to heaven it's not going to be there's not going to be let just let me just say because pastor chuck's already there um i'm not going to be able to stand before the lord and say well pastor chuck told me to do it or you know ed told me to do it jeff told me to do it nick told me to do it nobody's going to when we're not the final i'm not the final word we're to test all things and hold fast to what is good so maybe you've made some of your decisions because the pastors encourage you you jumped on a bandwagon and you go, oh, all these people but i mean i'm seeing i'm seeing families wrecked over this i'm seeing churches wrecked over this i'm seeing some of the worst division in my 30 years of walking with the lord and my 25 6 7 years i don't know how long i've been pastoring And then Heather calls. And she reminds us that, you know, drugs are wrecking people's lives. She reminds us that she's jacked up right now. And she didn't need a lecture on wearing masks. She didn't need a lecture on the election. She didn't need me to read the Constitution to her. She needed me to minister to her. And give her the word so that the word of God can be planted in her psyche. She may not even remember it. She may not even have been listening to me. She doesn't want to hear about how drugs enslave her. And that's okay. I respect that. But here's the deal. I gave her the word. I prayed with her. And I know the Holy Spirit's already ministering to her right now. I know that with confidence. And you say, Ed, 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 what about the politics in the United States? Listen. What a great country we live in. It's broken to overseen by un, um, uh, you know, by men. But I love my country. I love those of you that served in the military. I love those of you that are police officers. I love those of you that are conservative. I lo- love those of you that are liberal. I love Republicans. I love Democrats. Independents. I want to I equally love you all. I want to be a force for the gospel on the earth. I want to encourage you, if you have a calling into a particular area, if you have a calling into politics, run with it. But don't make it first. If you have a calling to be in the race car scene, run with it. But don't make it first. I was reading recently, I sent it to my son, um, and it kind of bummed me out because I would have loved to send it to Eddie. You know, you go through those grief moments, you know, and just like, got to send it to Josh, but um, I know Eddie would have tripped out on it, and uh, we would have had a great conversation too, but I was reading, uh, I think it was a tweet yesterday or the day before that, um, oh man, what's the guy's name, the quarterback from the Seattle uh, Seahawks, um, uh, I can't remember his name, the quarterback from the Seattle Seahawks, there was an article that said that he spends a million dollars a year on his body. He invests a million dollars a year on his body. And so I, I forwarded that over to Josh. And, uh, you know, we had a little um, Twitter conversation. But Josh's answer is solid, man. Russell Wilson. The article said Russell Wilson spends at least a million dollars each year on his body. And uh, Josh, you know, responded, man, if if that was my tool to make a living, then I'd invest in my body too. And I'm like, man, that was a great 
because uh, I know I buy Bible software and stuff and everything. But, you know, with Rus- Russell Wilson, uh, he is a football player, but he's a believer first. But he invests in himself so that he can do what he's been called to do. And if you're a believer, we want to invest in ourselves. We want to serve the Lord. And if you're called to be a football player, you're a Bronco, Denver Bronco, man, you go for it because we need believers on the Dove, I don't even know what they call it, Dove campus here where the Broncos practice. We need you there. Um, we need you. You you have been called to call out of politics. We need Dove Valley. Thank you. Uh, we need you in uh, the higher echelons of, of politics. We need you as school teachers. I was talking to our administrator of our private school today. We need you there. Those kids need you. But that's not your first calling. It's your second calling. Your first calling is unto the Lord first. And sometimes that gets confused. It's sometimes it gets confused. I know you're going to have to ask, you're going to have to answer for the Lord. You know, well, why, why did you give all your life to that? Well, because I heard this pastor on the radio and he told me, I watched this YouTube video and he told me, and God's saying, what? You don't know what my bio, you know what my word says? You didn't live out my word, you follow man? And I know I'm oversimplifying things, but I'm oversimplifying things for the sake of you and me. You know, we I've got more years behind me than I do ahead of me. That's how old I am. And I'm grateful for the years that God has given to me. And I don't know how many years really I have ahead of me, but I do know this. I know what God's calling me to do today, and I'm going to be there. I'm going to help clean the building, and then I'm going to teach the Bible tonight, 7 p.m. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to pray with whoever I need to pray with. I'm going to encourage whoever I need to encourage. I'm going to I want to do what God's called me to do. And I want you to do. God's not called everyone to be a pastor, but be faithful to your calling as a believer. Die to yourself. This whole thing, all these tests and things, they're just that. They're tests to refine your faith, to make you stronger, to reveal weaknesses. How many times we fail a test you know, it doesn't make us failures. It's just like, oh, I got to study that area. I got to look at that area. I got to, what a, man, I got to, you know, like our sister Heather, like she failed a test. It doesn't make her a failure. It just reveals to her a weak part of her life that needs to be surrendered to the Lord. And I don't want you, so, so I guess my summary here is this. Don't miss the Heather in your life. Don't miss. Please. I beg of you as a pastor, as a fellow believer, don't miss the people around you. I know there are people that disagree. I know there are people that don't see eye to eye with you, but embrace them as 1 Corinthians 13 would have you. You need a supernatural love, don't you? It's a supernatural love to love those that are different than us. And I'm not naive enough. I'm not an idiot. Some, I'm sure some people yell at the radio, "You're an idiot!" No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not naive enough to know that uh, there's government overreach, there's political shenanigans. I'm not dumb. But ultimately, my God is sovereign, and I trust my God. I know Nebuchadnezzar was saved. I know Artaxerxes was used. I know Cyrus was used. I know. I know that God, I, I was looking at this scripture, we're going to pray because we do, you know, when we gather together, we devote time to corporate prayer, right? We we pray together. So I was looking at this verse because I'm the one leading prayer tonight. Uh, I get the privilege. Uh, and so I came across this verse. This is so cool. And I want our church to be praying about it. 
That's why I wish more people would come out midweek, man, because it is awesome to be built up midweek. Um, and in Daniel chapter 2, let me see here. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, well, let me, let me just say verse 20. It says, uh, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. <laughs> the psalmist would put it this way. God raises up one and puts down another. He reveals deep and secret things, and he knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. And you know whether it's a Heather calling the show, or as the gentleman I mentioned earlier, his mom uh, passed away, went into the hospital and didn't come out. I mean, my heart, as I was speaking to him on the phone this morning, my heart just was broke. And he didn't need a lecture on politics or I didn't yell at him to put on his mask or take it off or whatever. It doesn't matter. He needed to be reminded of the comfort of God, as did I. So as I was ministering to him, I was being reminded of the comfort of God myself. And, uh, you know, here's another text here uh, of a prayer request um, that says, um, you know, Lynn, whose husband John just discovered he has a lump on his brain. And so uh, Lynn is traveling back to Arkansas from Colorado to be with John. And I mean, come on, Father, I pray for John as he goes through all these tests and these fearful, not knowing what it is. I pray that you would be with John and Lynn and um, this whole family, Lord, you know who they are. And I pray you would comfort them and encourage them in this difficult time. I also pray for my brother in another state whose wife was in a day-long brain scan today. You know what they're looking for and you know all about it, but it's, it's brutal. It's a brutal world we live in. And help us not to be taken off guard. Help us not to lose focus. Yeah, maybe things will be harder for us. Maybe things will be more challenging for us. But I remember the persecuted church, God. I remember men and women around the world that are dying, that the church is the minority, not the majority. And here we are coming face to face. Here we are face to face with difficulty and uh, things that we don't like and things that we wish it would have gone another way or it will go or whatever. Help us, Lord. And I pray for those that are suffering and going through pain, that the church would rise up and be the church. If the church isn't the church, if the church isn't the church, then who will be? Who will be? And Lord, enable us and fill us with your Holy Spirit to be the church. To be, to be the salt and the light like you told us to. And you know what? We, we aren't perfect at it, God. We, we need a leading and guiding of your Holy Spirit. We don't want to grieve your Spirit. So we pray and surrender ourselves to you afresh and anew in this new season. Whatever the outcome of the election, we pray for the arresting of COVID, that you would stop it, um, that you would give us patience with some of these restrictions, and just, Lord, people are getting, you know, this is real, whatever people are saying, but um, we don't need to get involved in that, Lord. We just want to be faithful. So, Lord, help us to be faithful, that even when we are faithless, 
you remain faithful. And may we always point to your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be back at church tonight. Uh, I know that uh, it's needed. We need to be together. We sing together. We pray together. We study the Bible together. Um, We have communion during worship. It's always available. Every Wednesday night we have communion. And uh, you, you sort of take it during worship, uh, during the song. You can take it anytime during Bible study, whatever you want. But uh, every midweek Bible study, we need. A lot of churches don't do midweeks anymore. Uh, don't even do small groups. Um, even they started small groups and now they're not even doing those anymore. But we are committed to midweek. Um, we enjoy our midweek Bible study. Um, I think we'll be doing it forever, but who knows? The Lord could lead us in a different way, but... Um, come on out tonight because tonight is all we have. That's all we have. So let's join together. Um, let's worship together and let's study the Bible together, letting the Holy Spirit speak directly to our hearts, ministering the gospel, encouraging, filling us afresh uh, that we might be baptized afresh and anew in the Spirit, reaching our community. That's the key. We want to reach our community. We've got to. Who else is going to do it? Who else is going to care not only for the physical needs, but also the spiritual needs of our community? Only the church. And you are the church. You are the church. What a privilege it is to serve alongside of you. See you tonight. A couple hours here, 7 o'clock. Shout out to you guys um, out back east, down south, and all throughout the country. Lord bless you, encourage you, strengthen you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.